0: All right, good morning. This is Foundations for Potty Training for Children that have experienced trauma. We are excited to welcome Megan Dare into the classroom. Feel free to chat amongst yourselves. If you have questions, please submit them in the Q&A and my team will monitor those and get those to Megan. Megan, thank you for being here. Take it away. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, potty training really
1: is a passion of mine. I know that may sound strange to some people, but I love it. And so um, in potty trading, you need a variety of families and you need a variety of children, and so the needs are different for every family. I can say I have never potty trained one child the same as another child. I think all strategies have to be modified for each family, depending on the family and the kiddo. Um, a little bit more about me. so. I'm a board certified behavior analyst, and that may be something that most people don't know. Um, My bachelor's is in psychology. My master's is in education with a concentration in autism and early childhood education. Um, So I've been board certified now for 10 years, which is crazy, that went by very quickly. but my job mainly has been to work with children diagnosed with autism, as well as other developmental disabilities. I've worked with kiddos that have had cancer. Um, I had one kiddo that had part of his brain removed. And so I was brought in to help work on some of the behaviors he has. Um, yeah, I have worked um, with kiddos that have aggression, kiddos that have self-injurious behavior. Um, and I'm brought in a lot of times when there is those aggressions, self-injurious behaviors, or a deficit in skills. And so my job is to reduce those behaviors and then teach them appropriate skills. So it's not appropriate to hit your sister and grab her toy, but it is appropriate to say, hey, I want my toy back, or that was my toy, or can I have that toy? Um, I have worked in public schools, private schools, group homes, um, in homes, clinic settings. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. Um, My favorite is homes, though. I do love working in homes with families, and so a lot of times I'll do consulting where I come in and we talk about some of the behaviors that are going on with the kiddo and how we can maybe increase homework time and it be a little more productive and a little less frustrating for everyone involved. Um, On a personal note, I have three brothers that are adopted. Uh, When I was 15 years old, I flew to Russia with my parents and went to an orphanage there and we adopted my brother. Um, He was 11 at the time. He's 30 now um yeah I just it there's such a need um, and I am very excited and feel very honored that I get to talk to people that are doing those same things. Um, my other two brothers were adopted from the state of Texas, um, I was older I was in college at the time but you know working with not working with my parents but talking with my parents about some of the strategies and some of the behaviors that my brothers have um, just have a lot of respect for everything y'all are doing because I know it's tough um, and it can be very frustrating at times. So let's start into potty training. Um, A little bit more about ABA, just so you guys know and have a better understanding of my background and where I'm coming from. So it's the scientific study of learning and behavior. So I kind of broke it down and made it a little more simplified than that. To me, ABA is the study of how the environment changes a person's behavior through the stimuli in the environment and the learning history a person has. And I think that one is a big one, especially when dealing with kiddos that have had such a hard and traumatic learning history. Um, you have to learn at the learning history in order to move forward. So an example of ABA would be a child walks into a room and sees a dog. This child has been bit by a dog in the past, therefore the child begins to run away, scream, and cry. So that dog in that room has done nothing but the child's learning history is such that when they see a dog they see it as a punishment something bad happened when i saw that dog i don't like any dogs now another kid might walk into the room see the same dog but this child has a very positive learning history and so that child might smile and run up to the dog and want to pet the dog and so What I do a lot of times is I go in and I see how a child responds to the environment, and then I go, how can we change this environment so the child's more successful? How does a parent need to change their behavior in order for the child to be more successful? So with potty training, I think one of of the big things is to make sure that we know where the child develops, how their body develops. So development of toilet training in neurotypical children. So this is kiddos that have not gone through any trauma. This is kiddos that do not have any type of um, diagnosis or delay in their functioning. And so I really like this chart because I think it really lays clear where does a child, at what point does a child's body respond and is able to respond to potty training. Um, Because of this chart and because of my experience, I really don't recommend potty training until a child is at least two and a half years old. Why? Because that's when the child is actually starting to have control over their bladder. Um, So if you look here, it isn't until 24 to 36 months that a child is learning to actually have control over their bladder, Um, and this can take years. So it does, especially nighttime, as I think every person the world knows it can take a long time for a child to become potty trained at night um one of the main one of the big questions i get is my child's 18 months old can i potty train them and i don't want to discourage potty training at 18 months i definitely think there's things you can do to encourage potty training but i am not on board with potty training at 18 months because a child doesn't have full control over their bladder So if a child has an accident at 18 months, you can't really have a consequence in place because that child, again, doesn't have control over their bladder. It's like a nine-month-old trying to walk and they fall down and you go, why isn't this nine-month-old walking? Well, because they're nine months old. Their body isn't at that point yet. And so I think the hard part with potty training too early before that bladder is developed is you are going to have an increase in accidents And what that can lead to is a new learning history. So let's say you try to potty train at 18 months, you have a ton of accidents, but the child doesn't fully have control of their bladder. So you can't have a consequence in place to address those accidents. So now what you're teaching the child is if they have an accident, that's okay, nothing else is going to change. And so that's where I have a really hard time with potty training too early. I really, like I said, Two and a half years old, and that is for a child with no trauma, no you know, no diagnoses of any kind, no
0: delays. Megan, um, another- why why do you think it? Why do you think people try to potty train so early? It's almost like this badge of honor. It, it's it's bragging yes. rights for how early you can have trained your, your kiddo. I
1: and I really do think it's that. I've actually brought it up not only with colleagues that have children, but just by sister other people that have children and um, and I'm, that aren't even in the field that I work in, but I'm like, what is this? Cause it's a, I mean, it's a common American thing where, well, I potty trained my kid at 18 months. Well, my kid was potty trained at 16 months, you know, and there's this, like you said, it really turns into this competition. And I feel like that is actually detrimental in the long run to the child. Because again, if you're trying to potty train too early, it's, it's, it's not successful. I have seen it successful but it's very rare, it is extremely rare, and I just don't think it's worth the frustration with potty training, yeah. um, because potty training is really hard. It is extremely difficult, no matter what the age is of your child, no matter what the ages of you, it, no matter how many kids you've potty trained in the past, it is a very frustrating process. And so I always tell parents, you know, you wanna make sure you're in a good place when you're deciding to, to go ahead and we're gonna potty train. Um, I've had some families where we had planned potty train, um, and we had uh, had it all set up. It was going to be a weekend thing. We were going to do it, um, and then someone died in the family. And I told the family, "There's, there's no way we're going to do this this weekend. You need to grieve." And so, I feel like because there is that pressure of I want this, I want the badge of honor of my child potty training so early. It, I think there's a pressure there for, for parents and and then the pressure goes to the child. And in the end, I feel like nobody wins. Right. Versus if the child has control over their bladder, they're gonna be less likely to have accidents. And when they do, they're gonna be able to understand what that means to hold their bladder and then release their bladder when they're supposed to release their bladder. So if you take away anything from this presentation, one, when you are deciding to potty train, be kind to yourself. If something else comes up in your in your life that week that you're deciding or even that month and you need to put it off, that's okay. I would rather the child be a little bit older than the child be too young. I would rather parents wait a little bit longer if something traumatic happened in their lives where there was a natural disaster or you know when the pandemic started. I told parents right now, this is not the time to potty train during the beginning of a pandemic. I feel like the families that I've talked to now as the pandemic has gone on, we've got a little more control and a little more idea of where we're at. But for some families, I still wouldn't say, let's potty train during the pandemic because they may not be in a mental health place where they're, where they're able to do that. Um, you know, at three to four years old, the children are starting to stay dry most of the day, but this is still during the day. Um, Another key point on this slide that I'd like to point out is that it really isn't until about eight years old when children stop having accidents during the night. And again, this is for kids that have not been through trauma and don't have any type of diagnosis. Um, The research does show that if a parent's biological child had accidents later, let's say the biological mother had accidents into the nighttime until she was 10 years old, the research shows that child is more likely to have those same issues. So just take that into account. If you are able to know more about the biological history of some of these parents, knowing that they had a hard time with bedwetting at night, um, that might be one part of it.
0: Um,
1: And this slide, I did not make this slide. This came from the American Pediatric Academy. So that's where I'm getting all this information. That that is not me. And there's a slide of references at the end where it will point all that out to you all. So, I think it's good to know where a child's body is developmentally with potty training. I think another key thing is to make sure that we have the skills for potty training. Um, You're going to hear, I know about halfway through the presentation, you're going to go, all she's done is talked about everything prior to potty training, and that's true. The majority of this presentation is talking about everything prior to potty training. Because we want to get every variable set up to be in the right condition to make sure we're, we are set up for success. And if we're not there, let's spend some time talking about these other skills and other behaviors that the child has to have. So, one skill for potty training is imitation. Can a child imitate other actions? For example, a parent claps his or her hands, can the child then repeat that same imitation? Language. This one is huge to me. Um, so we want the child to be able to request their wants and needs through verbal communication, sign language, picture exchange, or a communication device. Um, I have potty trained kids that have that are nonverbal, so we only do sign language. I have potty trained kids that we have a device, um, and they use that because they're nonverbal. The form of communication does not matter. It what matters is that they have communication. So. The biggest things to really work on this area is making sure that when a child wants something, they're able to ind- independently request it. Um, so for example, if the kid wants juice, the kid wants tickles, the kid wants to be picked up, can the child independently say that? Can they say hugs or tickles or I want up? It doesn't have to be a long sentence. It can be that one word of juice or tickles, but that they can independently do that. That's what we're looking for. Receptive skills. So we want the child to be able to follow one-step instructions. So stand up, sit down. Probably can see how that falls into potty training. Um, But they need to be able to follow those one-step instructions. Body awareness. This one is big for me. Um, I honestly do not potty train children until I see the body awareness. If you try to potty train before you see this body awareness, it's gonna be hard. (laughs) Um, because this really is one of the key skills that a child has to have in order to be body trained. Um, And this looks different. So this, you know, for some kids, it's they're they're peeing and they're, they're just announcing it to the world. I'm peeing, mom. For some kids, they get really quiet. They may look down and their face may change. And it may just be as simple as that. But there is something that they're doing that tells me hey, they're aware that they just peed or they pooped or they're, they're soiled and they're aware of that. That's what I'm looking for. And again, this can look different for each kid. For some kids, it really is, I'll see them go to a corner and I'll see them kind of do the, the poop face and then they scrunch down and, they're, and then they poop and then they look down and they're aware of it. So again, I'm just looking for awareness, whether that is announcing to the world or privately looking down and making a face, I want some behavior that shows me that they're aware
0: that they've wet themselves. Megan, I think this is going to be a key thing for foster parents. Okay. Um, So maybe you can dive in. Well, I feel like there's awareness and then there's reaction to it. I think for a lot of our kids, especially with sensory struggles, it's not necessarily even a discomfort. Sometimes they are seeking that when, do you know what I mean? So they may not, well, I know for, for kiddos, we've had a lot of times they don't alert us for several reasons. And that's, or it does, it seems not to bother them, I guess is the way I would say it. And if it, if it, even if it doesn't
1: bother them, that's okay. If there is some sign that they know, If there is some sign that they don't know, so let's say I don't see any behaviors that show me that that they have body awareness. Um, They just do their thing and they're cool and nothing else bothers them about this. What I would wanna do is start to try to teach this. So I would wanna start to teach wet and dry, and you can do this with baby dolls, you can do it with stuffed animals, you can do it with paper towels, you can, you know, anything that one thing is wet and one thing is dry. But does the child understand even just the receptive part of that? So if I have two towels in front of me and I have one, and they both look exactly the same except one's wet, one's dry. And if I say, touch the one that's wet, can the child touch the one that's wet? I've worked with children that don't have that skill. So that's where we start. Can you identify wet and dry on something other than yourself? Let's start there. Let's start with other things in the environment. Let's start with, like I said, stuffed animals. Anything they're interested in, if you can somehow incorporate wet and dry into that, that's perfect because if they're interested okay. in it, they're more likely going to be, okay, I'll look at what you're doing. Let's see what she's got this set up here. What, oh, I'll, I'm interested in that. A little bit more motivation if it's something that they like. Then you wanna to try to start to practice that on themselves and try to make it fun. Um, and I know this is different for each kiddo, especially kids that have experienced trauma. Um, you know, but I've had parents that were out there, I mean, not to me, it's actually cooled off, but sometimes when it's warmer out, they've got the water hose and they're out there in a wet pool and those little kiddie pools. And they're talking about wet and dry and they're showing the child. So they'll do silly things like the child's all dry. And they'll say things like, you're dry. Look at that. And then they'll, you know, have the kid, they'll spray them down with the water hose and the kid thinks it's fun. Oh my goodness, you're wet. And then they'll dry them off and they'll do these
0: repeatedly to just try to under, to teach that concept of wet and dry. Okay. And so then, for this skill, it's less about their reaction to it. It's more the awareness of it or the yep. understanding of it. Exactly. Even okay. if, even if they're okay with
1: it, but they're aware and they look down and they're like, Oh yeah, I did that thing. That's all I'm looking for. Whether they like it or not doesn't, does it really matter at that point? It's just, do they have that concept? If that makes sense. Yes, Um, thank you. No, that's, this one is a big one. Um, And again, going back and trying to teach wet and dry, because you're going to talk a lot about it during potty training. You're wet, you're dry. Let's talk about it in a fun way first to make sure they understand that. Um, No, that's a good question, because this really is to me one of the key ones. Um, Self-help skills. So children can do some independent skills already. Feeding with spoon and fork this is kids. I know it's not going to look pretty. It's just, are they used to doing things for themselves by themselves? So are they used to taking a spoon and feeding themselves or a fork? Um, Ideally, if the child can pull their pants up and down by themselves, that's perfect. If they need a little bit of help, that's okay. But we're looking for independence. Why? Because during the bathroom routine, your goal is not to be in there every single minute, every single time they pee. Um, We're gonna hopefully fade you out, but if they can't do some of these skills before potty training, then what you're doing is you're actually adding work to yourself. Because now not only are you having to teach them how to pull their pants up and down, you're also teaching potty training. And so you've added another work task, as I see it, versus if you can practice the skills, so let's say they're two years old, you're not ready for, you don't think they're ready for potty training yet, but you're working on these things. You're working on increasing their language. You're working on body awareness. You're working on that independence with pants and being able to do it by themselves. Um, So these are some of the skills that you need for potty training. If a child does not, if I go into a home and I see that the child does not have one of these skills, I want to practice and work on that first. I'm not saying potty training's ruled out forever. I'm saying let's hold off and practice these guys first. All right. So I think one of the key differences with kiddos that have been through trauma versus kiddos that haven't is making sure that you are aware of the history with the restroom and the bathroom routine. So know what developmental milestones the child has. Um, This will help if there is a regression in skills or behavior. So for example, um, if a child, one example I was given um, by another BCBA is she had worked with a family where the child was actually potty trained. I think they were three or four and they were doing really well with potty training until they saw their biological dad. And then they started seeing their biological dad with with um, with visits um, and someone else was in the room, but just seeing her dad made that child regress. They immediately actually started peeing in front of their dad. Like they could not control their bladder anymore because of that trauma. I think it's really good to know where they are with milestones because with trauma, they may have, they may have mastered a milestone, but that trauma can help, not help, but it brings them back down and they may regress on that skill because of the trauma they've been through. I think another key one is trying to know as many stimuli triggers as you can. So. Is taking off pants a trigger? Is the sound of the flushing toilet a trigger? Is sitting on the toilet a trigger? Um, And a lot of times you can kind of just see like, oh, let's just go sit on the potty. And if the kid starts screaming and crying and having some of those behaviors, or just completely shuts down, so they were talking, they were laughing, and now everything stops, that to me is, okay, there is some history here with potty training in the bathroom. I'm not sure which one of these triggers it is. I'm not sure if it was the pants or the toilet or the, I'm not sure which one. So I'm gonna break it down again and I wanna see when that child's behavior changes. Because by that child's behavior changing, you're then helping me to understand where we need to start. So definitely have a history as much as you can. Sometimes I know you may not get that from the biological family or you may not get that from the case manager but the child will tell you. I mean, they will, they will tell you through their behaviors what their triggers are when it comes to the restroom. Um, <clears throat> I think another, you know, going back to the history, you have to know what conditions the child's been successful in and what conditions that, that have triggered the child with potty training. Um, so this is something I would ask parents to try to almost kind of play with to see which variables are more successful and which vari- variables are harder for the child. So for example, is there a certain adult the child is more likely to use the toilet with? Is it, is it females versus males? Every child's is different. Is, there, is the child more likely to go to the toilet if there's a certain kind, color, height? Um, so i worked with some families where certain toilets uh, flush, that trigger of flushing is too much for them. Um, the color, the height of the toilet, they do better with the low toilets. Um, Does more lighting in the room help the child? Or is it harder for the child? Should we get some maybe um, softer lighting in the room for the kiddo or make sure it's very bright? Is the child more likely to sit on the toilet if the bathroom door is closed versus open? Um, Do any smells from the bathroom trigger the child? So an example they gave is, you know, there was one parent where the child didn't like Febreze because mom would get very drunk. She would get very angry. She would hurt the child. And then she'd go and throw up and then she would spray Febreze. And the child, that Febreze became a trigger for the child because it it played out that earlier history for them. They associated with Febreze with being yelled at and hitting and screaming. And so I think for kids that have been through trauma, this is a key area to make sure, again, we have not even started potty training. We are almost doing a baseline at this point to see where is the kiddo at? What are they comfortable with? What are they not comfortable with? Because this baseline is gonna help to show me where my starting
0: point is. Great question that came in, uh, Megan. What about kids who are much more successful at daycare than at home? At home, it seems like more of a power struggle, but at daycare, they think he's ready to potty train fully. So of course they're pressuring mom, right? He's ready, let's do it. Um, What would you advise there?
1: I would be curious, um, I would definitely want to observe the child in the daycare, and I would want to talk to the teachers involved to see what conditions are telling them that he's successful. And that may be because there's a history of, well, when I'm in daycare, I'm safe. But when I'm in different people's homes, maybe I'm not always safe, and I don't know if I'm safe. But if I'm in daycare, I'm safe. So the child may physically feel more comfortable in that area, which is good. What are they doing to help? make the child be more successful. So again, I would wanna know, so you're telling me he's ready for potty training. What is he doing? Is he going up to the potty? Is he sitting on the potty? Um, and if the child is more comfortable, how can we recreate that at home? Maybe it's even having, If I know everybody's different, but if we could get the daycare worker, maybe if the child really likes to come to the home one day and we just sit on the potty there together, if the child's really comfortable with that provider. Maybe there's a certain book that they read or the, again, I would want to know what is happening in the bathroom here that makes, that makes you feel like the child successful and how can I recreate that at home? Maybe it's the parents, the foster parents going to the daycare and practicing it there. So then the child is pairing up. Oh, well, when she's, you know, it's comfortable here. I'm already feeling safe here. So I wouldn't say, oh, let's completely potty train and daycare and not potty train at home, I would say, how can we get the child to have those same comfortable behaviors at home as he has at daycare? What can we be doing to recreate this? And a lot of times, or what I've had in the past is, is those people switching. So let's bring the daycare worker into the home for an hour. Let's bring parents into the daycare for an hour and let's see if we can try to pair this up and make the child feel a little more comfortable.
0: My guess is it might be something more like the child does feel safest at home. We, we see that a lot. Okay. So that's when they feel, that's when they can kind of let all their stresses and frustrations out. And that's okay. why they're not going at home. Um, my, our, our, my guess is he is hyper aware for his safety at daycare and um kind of in survival mode and okay. Okay. i'm also guessing they have it, uh, the kids on a stricter routine than we're able to adhere to at home okay does that make sense it's like okay it's 10 a.m it's time for potty everybody go it's you know and that's i mean as a foster parent from home that's just not realistic
1: no no. Um, and that does make sense because I've seen kiddos that do, we have tons of behaviors at home, but we have no behaviors at school. And like you said, it's well, because they feel safer at home. They feel like they can let their guard down and just right. kind of breathe a little bit and know, hey, if I scream and cry here, I'm still safe. Um, but I may not know that in other environments.
0: Um, I would... So I almost think at that point, it's less to do with potty. They, it's it's worth a conversation with the daycare about the trauma history and why the behavior isn't as consistent at home and that is a harder one because i i think
1: my concern would be is it going to be too confusing for a kiddo to do potty training at daycare but not potty training at home i would want us to do it at okay. the same time um but I think you're right. I think that is definitely a conversation to have and to go, how can we all be on the same page? What can we all be doing to make sure we're getting to that goal of
0: pie training? Um, because I, yeah, sorry. If it's okay with you, I'll connect you with foster mom afterwards on this one. That would be great because I have um, more questions. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um,
1: okay, so we've kind of, so we've talked about, where their body is biologically. We have talked about the behaviors that they need to have, the skills that they need to have, um, and then talking about the history with different triggers in the bathroom, around the bathroom routine. So your starting point will be determined by the child and his or her behavior. They are gonna tell you. And I think one of the biggest things I wanted to point out here was make sure what you're using is a true reinforcer for the child. And so what do I mean by that? Um, as you guys probably know a lot better than I do, all kids don't like tickles. All kids don't like praise. All kids don't like hugs. Um, And so when I talk about a reinforcer, I'm talking about some type of reward, some type of thing that makes the child go, I like this. This thing makes me smile. This thing makes me laugh. I want to do more things to get this reinforcer. And so I just want to put a disclaimer to make sure that Whatever you're using to reinforce the child really is a reinforcer. Um, and I think this is probably more geared towards younger, or not younger, but new foster parents who you have to go back to, not all kids like tickles, not all kids like hugs. They don't want to be picked up. They don't want loud noises. It hurts their ears. So making sure whatever you're doing um, in order to make that
0: child be more comfortable is it, you are using something that they like. Um, Are you talking about something they get after they go like bribery? Like you get an M&M if you go?
1: No, at this point, what I'm talking about is um, we want to make sure that the child is comfortable enough to go into the bathroom. I want them to be able to go into the bathroom, sit on the toilet for several minutes, up to five minutes. And then I want them to be able to wear underwear for at least 20 to 30 minutes prior to potty treating. And so when we're doing that, sometimes for some kiddos there's a lot of trauma behind that they don't want to wear underwear they don't want to go near that toilet um and i had a kiddo so i worked with him and he i came into the family's life when he was about six or seven and he they had previously tried to do potty training but it did not go well i was i was not involved in that i didn't meet them until years later so when i meet the family they say, you know, if he's six or seven, we'd like to potty train now, but we have these concerns because we had this really bad experience. And so this kiddo, what we did was he would not go, he would go into the bathroom as long as he knew it wasn't about the toilet. Like he would go into shower and he would go into um, brush his teeth and stuff, but he wouldn't go anywhere near that toilet. And so we spent over a month just sitting on the ground, inching our way closer to the toilet and we used golden books so this is a reinforcer for the kid this is something he really really liked he loved golden books and so what we tried to do I mean his mom went to every garage sale we had literally 100 100 golden books and so he wouldn't get the golden books while we were working on this he wouldn't get them very much unless we were working in the bathroom and when I mean working in the bathroom I mean we're sitting on the ground reading golden books we are trying to repair this stimuli for him that used to be very negative, the toilet. We're trying to use something that he likes, that reinforcer. It's something he likes and make the situation
0: more positive for him. I like so that I'm, concept that it's, it doesn't have to have been complete success to get some sort of positive reinforcement. Correct. I like that. And, yeah.
1: And again, we're not even potty training right now we are, we are finding our starting point with this child and we're working towards it. So for this kiddo, he didn't want to go anywhere near the toilet. So I was like, well, we, we can't potty train until we can get him on the toilet. Um, so let's start with where, and and so we would walk into the room and I would see where I could, I could start to see his body change. I could see where he would start to shut down and he'd start to cry. And so we would start Prior to that. So if I walked two feet into the room and he was having behavior, man, we're starting at one foot. We're starting at his successful place. We're starting at the place that he feels comfortable. And then we're slowly shaping his behavior to feel more and more comfortable. And again, it took us over a month just to get him to sit on the potty. So at this point, we haven't done any potty training. I'm just trying to get him comfortable with it. All right, keep going. Um, So yeah, so (laughs) finding your starting point, a child needs to feel comfortable being in a restroom. Child needs to feel comfortable sitting on the potty willingly for several minutes. Um, And it's gonna be for several minutes because if you're trying to potty train a child and they will only sit for 30 seconds, that's all you get. You only get that 30 second window then of maybe they'll pee in the potty. Versus if you can get them to sit on the potty for up to five minutes, well, now you've got a larger window. Now you have more of an opportunity that they're going to pee in the potty. And then when they pee in the potty, that's when you're gonna reward them with something. Um, but first, they gotta be able to sit on the potty for several minutes. They also need to feel comfortable wearing underwear. Um, excuse me, so these are the some of the three things that are key with every kid before potty training. Again, we've not started it, but we're seeing where they're at. Um, caregiver must know where the child is with each of these behaviors before trying potty training. So if the child is triggered by these tasks then the care- caregiver needs to work on making the child feel safe during the task before potty training. Um, you are building a new learning history with these stimuli and tasks. That's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of patience. You may decide, hey this kid is ready for potty training. I can tell they've got you know they've got all the skills, we're ready. But it still may be a couple of months before they're actually potty trained, because you need to work on your starting points. You need to make sure the child is comfortable in a restroom. You need to make sure that they're sitting on the potty and that they're wearing underwear. And all these things should be fun. So for, you know, for the underwear part, I tell parents, if the kid likes to go shopping, I guess it's different with the pandemic. But, um, you know, if you're ordering online, have them help have a say in their underwear. So, you know, do you want Paw Patrol underwear? Do you want Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle underwear? You want to make the underwear a positive thing for the child. All these things right now you're trying to do is just make everything positive. Again, you're redoing their learning history and that's going to take time because it took time to get them where they were at at that point. They didn't have usually just one bad encounter. It was multiple bad encounters that made their learning history the way it is. It's going to take multiple positive encounters to relearn that for them. So, all I'm trying to say is it's going to take time and it's going to take patience. And please don't give up. Don't feel like, oh, we haven't done much. Because, you know, in that month when we went like three feet from the beginning of the bathroom to the toilet, that was huge for this kiddo. I know it wasn't big for other kiddos, but with his learning history, that was huge, but it took a month. And then we hadn't even started potty training. So it's gonna take time. Please don't feel discouraged. Look at those little wins of, well, now we went, you know, we went another foot closer to the toilet. Now he's sitting on the toilet. He wasn't doing that a month ago. Take, take the little wins with you because they're big. Um, and those are the ones to hold
0: on to because it does show you are making progress. You're changing their behavior. but oh, it's gonna take time but Megan, we wanted to wrap this up in a weekend, start to finish. finish. (laughs) No,
1: I I definitely think once we start potty training, if we can get the kiddos, we can, we can definitely, once we start potty training, we can get to that weekend point, or maybe a week point uh, where it takes a week, but, but the whole potty training process, even for a kid that's not been for trauma, I've worked with kiddos that have had no diagnosis. They have had no trauma. They have had a great two and a half, three years of their life. It's been wonderful. And they still don't want to sit on the potty and they don't want to wear underwear. Um, and, and I go back to it's change. Um, and I personally don't like change. I'll admit it. I don't. This pandemic's been really hard because everything's changing and we can't control it. Um, and that's what's going on for a child that's being potty trained, for any kid that's being potty trained, and they're going from diapers to underwear, we're rocking their world. We are literally flipping it upside down in their minds and going, why can't I just do my thing in my diaper? I liked it. You know, and if you think about it from a kid's perspective going, okay, I'm going to sit here, I've <clears throat> got my Elmo on, I've got my animal crackers, all is good. I've got a pee, so I peed but I still got my Elmo and I still got my animal crackers. And what we're doing with potty training is saying, okay, I want you to stop watching the show you really, really like. And I want you to get up and I want you to walk to the bathroom and I want you to do what you have to do. And then you can come back and have Elmo and animal crackers. And for any child, it's like, wait, you want me to stop I, the fun thing I'm doing and go do these tasks, which for a child probably feels like work, I have to go and I have to pull down all my stuff and I have to sit. And, and so looking at it from a child's perspective, no matter what the child has been through, we're changing what we're, we're we're up in the ante, we're making it harder for them. We're giving them more work to do. And we're saying, you have to stop your fun thing and you have to go do these tasks. And in their mind, they're like, but this way of just sitting here and peeing and watching Elmo was working really well for me. Why are we changing this? And I, I think it's just key to remember when you're doing potty training that this is a big deal for them, that it's it's changing everything, whether or not they've been through trauma or not. We're changing their world on them. Um, so it's going to take more than a weekend because it was more than a weekend that they were in diapers, if that makes
0: sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> but
1: unfortunately, no, I don't have a... A magic, I I can say if you do all these things that when you do start potty training, it should be shorter. That is the goal of all this prep work is by the time we're ready for day one, we've done all this stuff and we know the kiddo is ready and we are at the point where they're gonna be the most successful. Um, and that's the goal of all this prep work is that when you do start, it's faster and it's more successful overall for the kiddo
0: and for the family. Guys, raise your hand if you're currently potty training someone. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. okay. So if they're currently potty training, what and didn't necessarily do all of these things leading up, do they stop and go back?
1: I would be curious to see where the issue is with potty training and if there is issues. So if they're potty training um, and it's still taking a while, where is the hangup? Where's that harder part that they're, that they're having. Is it with any of these prior steps? Because if so, then I, I, I might say, let's take a step backwards and do this. But that is different for each family. Um, because I know going from diapers, to underwear, to diaper, it's very confusing for the child. They're not sure what you're requesting. You know, what do you want from me? Do you want me to pee in my underwear? Do you want me to pee in a diaper? Do you want me to pee in a toilet? Um, so I would definitely want to ask all those families just what has been successful what's the part that hasn't been successful and how can we modify it the least so that we're not <clears throat> we're not taking 10 steps backwards maybe we're just taking 2 steps back
0: right that's that's the thing we don't just wipe it and start exactly. <laughs> no pun intended no. <laughs> and uh, start from the beginning <laughs> okay um, awesome
1: so again i'm i'm you know spending a lot of time talking about finding your starting point because every kiddo has such a different history, especially kids that have been through trauma. Um, And I think I've already kind of talked about it, but I'm gonna say it one more time because I do think it's extremely important. If a child responds by screaming and crying when walking into the bathroom, you start with sitting outside the bathroom. So you start with where they're comfortable. Don't start with where they're not comfortable because that's just gonna lead to more behavior and then everybody's frustrated. And then there wasn't success and everyone's like, I don't wanna do that again. He was screaming and crying, then I started crying, and it was like, I don't wanna do that again. So you want success. Um, Just like, you know, if if you're 10K, maybe you're gonna do half a mile. You know, it's the same thing. We're gonna take these baby steps, and we're gonna be successful with them before we move on and push the child more. Um, As the child becomes more comfortable, then you would physically move closer to the toilet. But start with where they're successful. Don't, don't start with where they're screaming and crying. Um, and again, you're reteaching a new history and it's gonna take a lot of time and it's gonna take a lot of patience because it took time to get them into that negative learning history that they have. And so you are trying to show them that, that the stimuli, that these behaviors and responses that, that they do, they're not going to lead to neglect and abuse. They're going to lead to positive consequences questions. Um, another thing preparing for potty training, read books, um, and videos with preferred characters that the child likes. So P is for potty. That's a good one. Potty superhero, a potty for me. Um, and try to use books that they like. So if they like Paw Patrol, if they like Daniel the Tiger, if they like princesses, whatever they like, use that in some type of potty book. And you're not sitting there going, see, they're potty training, see see what they're doing? You're making it fun. And you may watch one of these a day and that's all you do to prepare for potty training because you're just working on the skills, you're working on the behaviors, and you're working on making potty training a comfortable, very normal thing that everybody does. Um, And so I definitely, any books, any videos, you just wanna make it a positive things and these are reinforcing what you're doing by making it more fun and letting the child see characters that they like do the exact same thing they're doing. Another thing um, that I really like for kiddos is to create a social story. And if you don't know what a social story is, it really is just a story that is created by a parent or provider, and it's talking about this new change, this new thing that's happening to the child. Um, So when the pandemic started, there were a lot of social stories about what is COVID-19? What behaviors do I need to have? What's changing in my life? Why can't I go to school now because of COVID-19? So there are social stories out there. Most kids that I worked with though, really like to see themselves on camera and they like to see themselves in books. So I think if you're going to create a social story, create one with them in it if you can. So here's, here's Johnny, and if Johnny's already sitting on the potty, and we're taking a picture of that, we're putting it in our social book, and we're going, look, man, Johnny's going to start potty training, and look, he's already sitting on the potty. And from my experience, it's made kids feel a lot more confident, proud, um, happy, because it's like, whoa, there's me, and I'm sitting on the potty. Um, another thing you can do is create a visual schedule with the child. These are, these are <laughs> ones that I found online, but I, I actually... I use these as a model for parents, but make your own if you can. And it doesn't have to look all pretty. Sometimes it really is just a picture of your potty, picture of the kid standing next to the potty, but it's that kid and not this kid with the red shirt on that nobody knows. Um, so it just, it means more. It makes the child more motivated. That's what I've seen when with things like a visual schedule or a social story are made specific to them with them in it. Um, If they aren't comfortable, maybe they're not there. If there is a child they like in the home, um, maybe use that child or maybe use dad or mom or whoever the child does feel comfortable with. If the child doesn't wanna be in the pictures, use those. Have sister do it or have dad do it or have cousin or neighbor or friend or someone that they like, maybe be the model for some of these pictures. You know, obviously we would, you know, not want to show private parts in the pictures. Um, But you want want someone that the child feels comfortable with, because it's just another model that you're giving for the child that, hey, potty training is a comfortable thing. It's a normal thing. We all do it, and it's okay. It's not scary. So again, we're still preparing. We have not even started potty training yet. so if the child does not have the skills or is not comfortable with engaging in the behaviors for potty training, this is where you start. And again, you might be here for a couple of months and that's okay. Um, and I definitely, I, going back to the, you know, my child potty trained at 18 months old. Um, it definitely needs to be where the child is at. So I have potty trained kids as young as two. And I've also potty trained, my oldest was a 15 year old. Um, And he had severe autism and um, his body just was, he never showed body awareness and he never really, his cognitive level when he was younger was not at a place where we could potty train. Um, And so parents, you know, it wasn't just me on the case, but there were others and, and the parents especially were like, we're not, we're not ready Um, So I'm trying to say don't be discouraged if the child you're working with is 10 years old or 12 years old and they're still not potty trained. Um, Because of the trauma they went through or because of any type of delays or diagnosis, they really may not be ready. Their bodies and cognitively may not be there. So please don't get discouraged if if your child is past the age of three and you're going, will they ever get potty trained? Why aren't they potty trained yet?
0: Um, I think a huge takeaway so far is is the just the fact of how much goes into preparing to start to potty train. I think most people myself included are like well she doesn 't mind going in there, so well oh, she stayed dry for an hour. Oh, she must be ready, okay you know no that's a that 's a very valid point, and I think uh, some of the feedback i 've gotten
1: on my presentations before in the past, um, and this one has been modified specifically for y'all um, but it has been well you don't just do it in a weekend they try they, they you know by Monday they should be potty trained and they're going back to daycare. Um, and, and no, it really is to me you're gonna spend more time prepping, I feel like than the actual potty training and that means that you've done the legwork, you've done the hard work and that's what you're trying to do at this point because you want to make it successful. Because you can, you, you can absolutely do a three-day weekend potty training. I just don't think it's going to be very successful if you haven't looked at all this prep work prior. Um, and you're just trying to set yourself up for success. I've, I've come in so many times where they tried potty training, something went wrong, it was too much. And then I get brought in months or years later. Um, and we spend a lot of time here. And I want to make sure parents are an emotional okay point. Um, Because again, this is draining. And, And the last thing any parent wants to do is get so frustrated that you end up yelling at the child while they're trying to potty train because now you've just created something that you don't want to create and you've been trying to avoid that. But you got so frustrated because you are human and we're all going to do that at some point. So again, making sure I think parents are at a place emotionally and mentally that they're ready for it, I think is key. Um, another thing you want to do is make sure that you're talking with when you are ready to actually start potty training, you've talked with everybody that's going to interact with the child. So, hey, he goes to grandma's on in the afternoons after school, you've talked to grandma, you've talked to daycare, you've talked to school. Everybody knows what your potty training plan is before you implement it. Um, so many times I've had I've had both sides, I've had daycares tell me this when I've been brought in, and I've had parents tell me, and they've both gone. Well, you know, we potty train him the weekend. Here's a bag of underwear and some gummies, and we're good to go. And, and the other person on the end is like, wait a second. I didn't even know we were potty training. I didn't know this was happening. Um, so that should never be the case. Anyone, intera- anyone interacting with the child should be aware that you are potty training um, prior to potty training, if that makes sense. All right, so we've done a lot of prep work (laughs) and we're starting to get to the place where we can actually start potty training. Um, So I do like to do the two or three day method where we kind of, okay, we've done all this prep work, we know we're here and now we're gonna kind of dive in. Repetition of the routine with plenty of opportunities to practice per hour and per day. So first two to three days, that should be the primary focus of the family. If possible, I understand we don't live in a utopia, but if it was possible if a child can stay with a family or friend um, or another caretaker, I think that really does help the parents that are trying to work on the potty training because then they can just focus only on that. Um, bowel movements, those are gonna come after voiding. So right now, we're not talking about those yet um, because developmentally and biologically, a child is going to have control over their bladder And they're going to understand that sensation of needing to use the restroom. They're going to understand that first before bowel movements. Um, Part of that is the way the body is designed. Part of that too, if you think about it, is we pee a lot more than we poop. So they have a lot more times and opportunities to practice what it feels like when you need to pee versus when you need to poop. Um, So for right now, we're going to come back to bowel movements, don't worry. But right now we're just talking about pee. so a child must have a positive consequence for avoiding in the toilet and having a in the toilet. So um, this is where we would start to talk about rewards. What I do recommend for some families, um, if you're able to do it, because I, I obviously do not want to cause more behavior, um, but if you're able to do some deprivation there for a few days, I highly recommend that. And what that means is, let's say this kid loves skittles that's his favorite thing in the world and he usually gets skittles but a few days prior to to really starting potty training when we're going to potty train you're going to not get him skittles that's going to make him want the skittles more and he's going to be even happier when he gets those skittles when he pees in the potty um for some families this doesn't work it actually causes more behavior and it causes more of a struggle so if that's the case don't worry about it i don't want to i don't want to put more behavior on the child or cause them more stress during potty training because there's already a lot of stress going on. Um, dry checks. So you want to reward the child that he or she is dry. Again, if you're able to use deprivation and take away a preferred item for a couple of days prior to potty training, that's great. Um, but dry checks are going to look like you go up to the child, you have the child take their hand and touch their groin area, and you go, are you dry? Or are you wet? If that child is dry, you want to reward that. I love that you're dry. If you can move away um, from from tangible or edible items, such as candy or or pretzels or something like that, you want to. Um, So if you're able to go up to a child and go, you're dry and throw them in the air and tickle them and that's it, that's perfect. Because that is a more natural reward than here's your sticker, here's your Skittle. That's going to be harder to fade out later. and it's just more natural, I think, for a parent to praise them. But, again, I know not all children like praise or like tickles. So you want to make sure whatever you're rewarding the child with is something that they do like. Okay.
0: I do got the sweetest text from one of the foster parents watching with a picture of their little one just glued to your presentation.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. cute. Thank you. Um, so, so diapers, this is a big one, I think, too. Trying to eliminate them as much as possible and be consistent with that. So right now, when you're, when you're in the beginning of potty training, I am going to recommend diapers for nap time and for bedtime because their bladder isn't fully under control, and so you want to make sure that they're successful. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later, nap time and, and uh, bedtime, but try to wear diapers, have if you're gonna wear diapers have set times that you always wear diapers. if that makes sense so i've had parents tell me you know for whatever reason he has to wear diapers at daycare okay well then he he doesn't wear them at home because that's what we're trying to do the goal would be that he only wears diapers when sleeping um but again we don't live in a perfect world and i know there are times where parents for whatever reason it's just not possible but when you are potty training if you can eliminate them as much as possible, it's going to be a lot less confusing for the kid. And you're going to get him potty trained faster. That because makes me wonder to- how
0: you feel about pull-ups.
1: Um, to me, they're in the same category as diapers. Um, if you can. So one thing I've tried with some kiddos that just absolutely hate underwear. And so we weren't even ready for day one of potty training. We were still on um, all the prep work. So one thing one family did that actually help the kid is they would put the underwear on and then they would put on the pull-up. And so what that did for the kiddo is it just made them feel, I think this is what they were used to. They were used to the pull-up. So it made them feel more comfortable. And then we, we slowly started to um, actually cut away at the pull-up. So the pull-up got smaller and smaller for the child until they got used to wearing underwear. So I know that's kind of a, a, couple of slides back when I'm talking about the prep work. Um, that's brilliant. That oh,
0: that's a great idea.
1: That has definitely been used. Um, and what we've tried to do, yeah, is just kind of cut away at it slowly and surely. So it's not this huge shock for the child of, oh my gosh, now it's gone, but they do have the underwear on. So at the same time, you're, you're doing what we would call pairing up. You're, you're taking the pull-up or the diaper, which he feels very comfortable in, and you're also pairing it with the underwear to show underwear is not bad. It's not scary. It can be paired up too. Um, and then you slowly, like I said, kind of cut away at the at the pull-up. So there's less and less and the child gets used to that. Um, but if you can, diapers and pull-ups to me are very similar because this child is still not having to control their own bladder at that point. The, they can pee in that and that's okay. And it is for certain situations such as nighttime, bedtime. Um, I've had parents that... Potty trained and then something happened and they had to go on long car rides and that's when I was like, yep, yep, you should wear a pull-up or a diaper on a- if it's a nine-hour car ride. Nope, they're not going to hold it and then we just potty trained. Um, so not the most ideal situation, but again, long car rides or places where you can't just easily take them, or if they have an accident in a car seat and you're on the middle of a highway, that's, that's going to be a lot harder. Um, and the main reason to do it is. It it helps them discriminate. It's confusing to go. Sometimes I wear diapers, sometimes I wear underwear. If you can make it consistent, where you know, I've had parents tell me, Well, grandma's not doing that, she's just not doing that. And I'm like, Okay, well, then at grandma's we wear diapers, but we don't do that at, at home, you know, and so trying to work with those situations, but make it as consistent as possible. Okay, so. All of that gets us to day one of potty training. <laughs> I know, y'all are like, this is, this is wow, we're finally there. Um, it really is a lot of prep work. And again, do that, that way potty training is more successful and less frustrating for the child and for the family. So day one, the child wakes up, we're gonna switch to underwear. We've already tried all the underwear. We know the child is very comfortable with wearing underwear. Um, they've helped pick out the underwear. And you're gonna give the child lots of liquids to increase the opportunities to use the restroom. Because if they only have a little bit of water and they only have to go once every four hours, you're not getting as many trials in of opportunities to try
0: to get them to use the restroom. Um, but we don't wanna do the, ju- give them a bunch of juice and put the little potty chair in the backyard and let them run around.
1: That is correct. Okay. Um, and thank you for bringing up the potty chair. So this, I do not really care for potty chairs, to be honest. And when I say potty chairs, I mean the little potties. So those are the ones that the parents have to manually clean out by hand. Um, I I do not care for those, and this is the reason why, and I'm gonna also put a caveat in there. The reason why is I've seen a lot of kids that get used to using that potty, and then parents up it and say, well, now you gotta use the big potty so we can flush it so mom doesn't have to clean it out every time. And the is going, no. I'm good with the little potty. I don't want to use the big potty. And so what you've actually just done is you've created another step for yourself. So yes, they can use the little potty and be potty trained, but now someone has to go in and clean it up every time versus if we take that potty out and we go just to the big potty, we've, we've taken out that extra step for ourselves where we have to do, teach them two potties to go in. Now we're teaching one. Um, especially for little kids. I highly recommend a little seat for their bottoms. Um, And those seats just go on top of the big toilet. And some come with stairs so they can independently walk up the little stairs um, to the potty and then sit down. So I definitely recommend that. My caveat is for kids that have been through trauma, that big potty may represent too much. It's just too much at one time. And you could. I've had parents come back and tell me, you know, we did what you said and we tried to get them to sit on the potty and they just wouldn't do it. And, and so after we've kind of exhausted that route, that's when I'll go, well, how do they feel about a little potty? Maybe we should start there. And you know, if we can't, this hasn't been working for the last you know week or two, we haven't had any success. We haven't had any movement. And if there's, if there's no progress, then I would go, let's look at a little potty. Um, but if you can avoid it, I would avoid it. Because in my experience, it just adds another step to potty training, to be honest. Um, so then you're gonna do dry checks every five minutes or so. Let me, let me say these, these strategies are different for every parent. So I've had parents go, we're not doing five minutes, maybe I can tell you that right now. But we'll do every 30 minutes, or we'll do every hour. And I'm like, cool, let's do that. If that's what works for your family. What I'm looking for is, I want the child to know that when I'm dry, Positive things happen to me. That's what happened. You know, my family wants me to be dry. When I'm dry, positive things happen. If the child is wet, you'll take them to the restroom, you'll sit on the toilet, and then you'll clean up the accident. Um, Sitting on toilet. I've been told the same thing. Parents have gone, we're not taking them every 15 minutes. Can you take them every 30? And again, we're just looking for opportunities for them to have to go to the bathroom. We want them to urinate in the toilet. That's the goal right now. Urinate in the toilet. So I can give you all this fun stuff. So you can see that when you go pee in the potty, all this amazing stuff happens to you, but I can't give you that amazing stuff until you pee in the potty. So I need you to be able to sit for a while. I need you to have lots of liquids so you're more likely to go. Um, And I I want that potty there. I don't want it in the backyard in a little potty. Um, So this is day one. And again, when the child wakes up, switch him to underwear and um, when i do do potty training with families i get there when the child wakes up before the child wakes up so i think the earliest has been 5 30 i've been to someone's house because that's when the child woke up so i got there at 5 15 and we were ready to go and this shouldn't be every day um i mean every day sorry every day you are going to switch them to underwear but especially that first day you don't want them to spend an hour that first morning on your diaper Because again, they're like, well, this is what's new. You want to get them used to when I wake up, I go to the bathroom and I switch to underwear. Okay, accidents. To me, this is where it really has to be modified for kids that have been through trauma. Um, This should be based on the child's history and if possible, consult a mental health professional that has a relationship with the child, that knows the child, that knows the child's past, and um, you guys can come up with a plan together. Because we don't want to make the situation worse. We don't want to punish the child in a way that's going to make them regress in their behavior. So if possible, have the child help clean up um, and try to be as independent with change of clothes. This should not be a fun and rewarding time. So, oh, you had an accident, oh my goodness. That's not the tone you're going to have. You're also not going to have a very, you you don't want a punishing tone. You don't want to be like, oh my, you had an accident. Why did you do that? We just went to the potty. You don't want that tone. You want a very neutral. Okay, you had an accident. We need to clean it up and we need to change you. So again, you're you're not rewarding them. You're not punishing them. You're very neutral. Try to make them be as independent as possible as far as changing clothes because you are adding a little bit more work. So what does that mean? That means for the child, I had an accident. Oh, and I had to stop watching Elmo and then I had to go change all my clothes and that took a lot of work. But man, if I just pee on the potty, it's a lot faster. That's what you're trying to teach them. Um, so neutral tone, have them clean it up, have them change their, their clothes and increase rewards for when the child is dry during the daytime. So we're kind of countering this of, yes, the child's gonna have accidents and because of the child's history, I don't want to do a punishing type of consequence. But I also want them to know that, man, when they're dry or they pee in the potty, a lot more fun stuff happens than when they have an accident. Now, if the child does not have trauma involved in the restroom, try to put a lot of caveats here, does have control over his or her bladder on most occasions, and you've consulted with a mental health provider or a BCBA, um, and you've done a risk assessment, then we can discuss more of a consequence the child does not prefer. And this one again is, is to me very be very careful with kids that have been through trauma because I don't want to make the situation worse and now we're taking 20 steps back.
0: Um, right I agree. I think for, for most foster parents, it'll be um, with an extra helping of grace with accidents. Yes. Um, as, as frustrating as they, as they can be, a lot of the trauma is, is often held. Um, in the the core there. So yeah, so I think I, your your suggestions are, are spot on there.
1: Good, good. Because I, I, I do feel like for those kiddos, we really just want to increase the rewards for the behaviors we do want to see. So being in the toilet, being dry. Um, and then if you're still having issues with accidents, that's when I'd be looking at consulting with someone, doing a risk assessment. Because again, I think that risk assessment in most cases um, like you said, Renee is going to show it's, it's not worth doing that consequence um, that I might do for other kiddos that haven't been through trauma. Um, any questions on this part? I know this one, is, this one was a big one for me in planning this because I wanted to make sure we were still trying to change the behavior of the child. At the same time, we were still
0: keeping the child safe. Do we call it an accident when it was that like they knew they were going to go in their pants?
1: Yep. Okay. Go in the toilet. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah, and this is just a hard one. I feel like it's such an individualized case, and I really would, like I said at the beginning, I would just try to focus on the rewarding parts that they're doing correctly. Um, and not so much. If if there's months and accidents are still happening, then that is a conversation to have with other professionals that know you, know the child and definitely do a risk assessment before moving forward with any, any other different strategies. I do think, one more thing about this slide, I think this is one of the hardest parts with potty training kids that have experienced trauma. And this is what's gonna make it take a little bit longer than for a kiddo that hadn't experienced trauma. Um, Because we have to make sure the strategies keep the child safe. So we are having to modify them in a way that may make it take longer. But don't let that discourage you. You are making progress and you are keeping the child safe. Those are the two things that you should be doing. Keeping a child safe, making progress. And maybe that progress is, well, we only had five accidents today instead of ten accidents today, but you're making progress. So please stay focused on that. I know this is very it's it's a hard topic. It's it's a hard process. So I wanna I wanna keep you motivated and pumped up because this really is it's such a life changing thing not only for the family but for the child, especially as they get older. Um, potty training is something that without it. It definitely changes as a child gets older how others look at the child and I think how the child looks at themselves. So it's it's definitely a key milestone that, that children need. Um, okay so day one of potty training you're still taking the kiddo every 15 minutes to 30 minutes to maybe an hour depending on what works for your family and you're sitting them on the toilet. Now the first time the child asks to use the restroom or Maybe they don't even ask, they just run or they walk there or you walk by and you see, you're like, well, I had to go to the bathroom. And then you come out and they're in another bathroom and they're, they're peeing on the toilet and you go ecstatic because it's amazing. Um, after that, you will no longer take the child that every 15 minutes. And the reason why is it does create prompt dependence. This isn't for all children, but I've seen it, I've seen it a lot, um, where A child to me is not really potty trained if someone is having to constantly tell them to go to the bathroom. They have part of the skill if they're able to do all the other things in the bathroom independently. But if they need an adult to constantly say, do you have to go potty? Do you have to go potty? Did you go potty? Every day for the rest of their lives, they're not really potty trained. And what we're trying to teach them here is we want them to listen to the signal inside their body, not a signal coming from an outside person. Um, so if you're constantly telling them to go, what I've seen is children don't even understand that all that, that internal stimuli. They're not even picking that up because they've just conditioned themselves to listen to an adult. And I've seen kiddos, they're doing the potty dance. They know what to do and they won't go. Like the bathroom's right over there, but they won't go until an adult says, do you have to go potty? And then they'll go. So again, their body wasn't what was what was triggering or wasn't telling them it was an adult telling them so that's why once they once you see that once you see the child take themselves or they tell you pee-pee and maybe especially the first few times I've seen this where it's like the child goes just a tiny bit in their pants and then they go pee pee that to me is initiating. They're listening to their body I'm not going to take them every 15-30 minutes anymore because I don't want to be the prompt to take them I want their body to be the prompt to take them. Now, if a bowel movement, child has a bowel movement in the toilet, reinforce like crazy because that's amazing because I know this is definitely, in my experience, scarier for children, if I have to say it any other way. Um, It's scary. It's scary to sit on the toilet and then things just kind of come out of your bottom and it's just this, and then they drop in the water and they make a noise and it's weird and it's different. Um, So we want to reinforce if they do go in the toilet, but this is definitely going to take time. So... If a child is not successful with voiding, and what I mean by that is, they're able to take themselves to the bathroom pretty much all day, not really have an accident, they're good. Then we're gonna start looking at bowel movements, but that's still gonna take a while. I wanna make sure that peeing behavior is very strong before I do anything with with bowel movements and accidents. But if they have an accident, you're just gonna kinda keep that neutral tone, clean it up. You're not gonna implement anything negative or positive here um, because it's an accident and we don't want to draw a lot of attention to it. Um, another thing that I want to say with bowel movements is I have seen that a lot of kids that have gone through trauma do end up having some type of feces smearing, um, different things where sometimes they're in the tub, sometimes they're in their room, um,
0: Yes. So we are all familiar. <laughs> it's okay. Very, very so common.
1: Yeah. <laughs> common. Um, I think it's a sense of control and
0: comfort for them.
1: Um, I've never spoken to a child that's done it and you know, they're not able to really communicate that. Um, but it's common. So I just want to make sure y'all are aware it, it is common, but y'all, y'all, y'all are like, yes, we know Megan. <laughs> we know. Um, Yes, so nighttime and nap time. So, nighttime control ladder will take time and sometimes years. Um, I do recommend wearing diapers or pull ups at night and nap time. And what you're really looking for is no daytime accidents. And then I would start with nap times. So, if I said something, you know, a parent told me, well, it's been about three months, he's not had any daytime accidents, or maybe it was just a couple in three months. And then I'd say, well, what if we started? to try to take away that diaper during nap time. So it's a shorter time period. Um, And I know I just said, you don't want to take the child anymore. Uh, But I will say before and after sleep time is a time that I think it's good to prompt the children and get them used to having to, you know, before nap time, after nap time, I go to the bathroom. And that way you're able to kind of fade out that diaper um, during nap time. And then as they get older, fade it out during, during bedtime. If the child wakes up during sleep time, so this one is a hard one, um, and and I I have not done many nighttime uh, sleep sessions during a, during potty training, but this is something I do recommend. It's harder though, and it's going to cost you some sleep. So, but if the child wakes up during sleep, so it's nighttime, child wakes up, parents should try to prompt the child to use the toilet. This can be done with partial physical prompts and guiding the child child to the toilet. Try to use the least amount of verbal prompts as possible. So, the research has shown, um, and there's tons of it, that verbal prompts go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, brush the right side of your teeth, brush that, nope, did you brush down here? Those prompts are actually harder to fade out than a physical prompt. And so, if I had a child that was waking up during the middle of the night, And then coming to me, or they were waking up in the middle of the night, but they weren't going to the bathroom. Ideally, what I try to do, and again, this is this is a lot on the parents, but I would try to see if I could find a continuous time of night. So hey, every night at 1 a.m. they're coming in to my room to tell me that they went to the bathroom or that they have to go to the bathroom. What I would do is try to stay awake or be up at that point. So I'm gonna set my alarm for 12.45 to wake me up because I know he's gonna be up by 1 a.m. And then when he woke up, I would already be in the room. And instead of saying, hey, go to the bathroom, I'm not gonna say anything, if I can. I don't wanna scare him. But I'm gonna to try to physically guide him. So I am going to touch his back or his shoulders and just kind of guide him into the bathroom and let him walk into the bathroom. And the goal, hopefully, especially if he is using the restroom by himself during the daytime, then the goal would be that by that prompt, he is gonna, he's gonna get into the bathroom and he's gonna go, oh, I don't know what to do, I'm in here already. Um, but I think, especially at nighttime in the beginning, it's, it's different, it can be scary for kids. Um, and especially kids who've with with been through trauma, I don't wanna do anything to upset the parents, I don't wanna do anything wrong. Um, so, it's not the best answer. Um, because I know it's like, oh, you want me to set my alarm for 1245 at night? Is that what yeah, you you're
0: killing us, Megan. You're <laughs> killing us right now.
1: <laughs> um, and if I, if I had ideally, what I'd say is try to do it on days where you don't have to work. But if you know that time, then part of me goes, well, you're already going to be woken up anyways, because he's doing it every night. So can we try to take two or three nights where you're able to prompt him and it's okay if you lose some sleep there? Um, and then hopefully you're not woken up every night because you're already waking up every night. So we're going gonna to purposely do it for a few nights. So then you hopefully don't have to do it anymore. Um, and again, taking away those verbal prompts there, because if you're verbally prompting, the kids are waiting for that. And then they almost go to the parent going, we'll have to wait for mom to tell me to go to the bathroom versus okay. if mom says nothing and just kind of guides him to the bathroom and then he does everything else then hopefully
0: that's what he'll do in the future. Okay, Okay, we have a question that relates to that, but not during nighttime. Um, Someone says, I have a four-year-old who does the potty dance sitting on the floor while they're playing, um, but won't get up and run to the bathroom until I say something, just like you described. And honestly, our just-turned-seven-year-old is the same way. He is dancing and dancing around the living room, and we're like, go! So, I mean, obviously I'm an amazing parent, but is, uh, (laughs) would it be better for us to just physically guide
1: them? And if you can do it from behind, because again, that's easier to fade. So I'm not, as the child, I'm, I'm walking, seeing the bathroom. I'm not even seeing someone guide me, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing nothing. I'm just seeing the bathroom Um, because you're prompting me from behind.
0: So if she's sitting on the floor, do we pick her up, help her get up?
1: Yeah, I would, if you know she's doing it, I wouldn't say anything
0: if you you
1: don't have to, because again, you've just shared that she will go, but she's waiting for you to say something. So if you say something, you're almost kind of giving into that behavior and you're in a sense reinforcing it because that's what she's learned is I do this dance until someone tells me to go. And then once they tell me to go, then I go. In her mind, that is the new routine. It, it may not make sense to us, but that's what it sounds like for me, or from what you've shared, is okay. that's yeah. what she sees the routine as. Um, so what I do, especially if she has a toy, some kids might get very frustrated because you're not verbalizing anything to them. <laughs> um, you're just kind of picking them up. So I would almost pick up the toy, like I'd have, it, have her pick up the toy pick her up off the floor and then kind of guide her to the bathroom. So it's like, you have to take the toy with you. I'm not saying you have to completely stop the toy. The goal is she'd get in the bathroom and then she'd go, oh yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. And then she would do it by herself. Um, but if you do need to prompt her, another thing, if, if kids aren't going to respond to just, you know, they're like, why are you touching me? And you're not talking to me. Another thing that parents have done um, that is easier to fade out is have some type of potty card. So maybe it's just a picture of the potty. Um, And so parents, instead of, they might take the card and just put it on the carpet next to the child. And sometimes that will prompt the child. Again, that's something else you're going to have to fade out because now there's a card. But it is easier to fade that out than to fade out, hey, you need to go potty. Um, because what I've done with those is I've had a full card and then I'll shrink the card and make it smaller and smaller, um, until there's no card. And you're, again, trying to teach them that their body
0: needs to tell them to be, to go potty, not someone else. Well, the Um, card would be used once they're doing the dance or whatever, not as a reminder to, if they have to go.
1: Correct. I would tell you to put the card when you saw the behaviors that told you she has to go to the bathroom. I know she has to go. And I'd say, put the card down, put it in front of her. If she still doesn't do anything, that's when I pick her up and then physically prompt her. Um, but I know some kids don't want that. And I can understand that. If you do have to talk to them, I would use the least amount of words as possible. So maybe not say, I have to go potty. You could just say, potty, toilet. So you're, it's easy. Okay. To, again, just trying to make them more independent. The more you're involved as far as taking them, the less independent they are. And so that's where I'm trying to brainstorm going, well, you could do a card, you could minimize your words if you do need to talk so it doesn't scare the child. Um, physically getting behind them is the best way because that's gonna, that's gonna take out a lot of you. They're not seeing you, they are just feeling you touch them. But again, I, I look at it from their point of view going, if someone just came up behind me and started picking me up off the ground and not saying anything to me, that'd be kind of weird. The, it would be weird to me so maybe using one word or maybe using the card there in order to communicate what you're trying to tell them but do it in the the
0: least amount of way so it's more independent for them yeah or even starting with just like soft touch on the back maybe exactly. enough to exactly to get her to yep. make go yeah exactly no good questions
1: um okay and so that is kind of everything I know. And so here are the references so that you can have access to this information too. This was not just me. Um, And like I said, everything about the body physically was the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, I know that was a lot. And I know a lot of the presentation really is prep time, but the goal of that is to make it more successful so that when you are potty training, it's not,
0: um, not as overwhelming. Yeah. And everyone, the, Presentation itself is archived in the classroom under the handouts tab and when Lindsay walks us through that in a little bit, she'll show you. Please feel free to submit some questions. I have a couple of um, additional yes. questions. First, um, wiping. Yes. Um, so hand Should over hand. Should we do it? Should we do it? Should they do it?
1: I try to do hand over hand. So Okay. This is their hand, and I'm prompting them, but I want them to do it in order again to fade ourselves out quickly. Um, Yes, that is a good question. I kind of a follow up to that that I've gotten before is boys um, should they sit or should they stand? I do recommend in the beginning, even if they're an older child, honestly, for them to sit and then for you to help push their penis down. So it's their hand on top and you're pushing it down. The reason for that is especially with boys, it's, it's very hard to control the urine and where it goes when they're standing. And that is almost to me another skill to teach versus if you're getting them used to sitting and peeing and then just pushing their penis down so the urine goes in the toilet and doesn't go out everywhere. Um, once they get used to that, and they're successful with that. Then, if you want your if if you want a boy to stand up while peeing, that's when I would try that. But I would not start potty training with him
0: standing up. Okay. What about we're we actively potty training, and we have to take a car trip.
1: Underwear then diaper or pull-up. So they still are wearing their underwear. They're still used to that. Um. But I also understand that I would not want to be cleaning all that up. Um, so I would recommend a diaper, or underwear, during a car trip. Okay. When it was pre-pandemic times, I would I would tell parents to, um, if you could, go to the bathroom before you leave the house, prompt them to go, and then go on very short car rides. So we're going to go to Target and get one thing, and then we're going to get back in the car and we're going to go home. Um, and, and that way, they're used to having to hold it in the car, but it's a short period of time. I know with the pandemic, that's obviously a lot different now. Um, but you could still even try just maybe getting in your car and drive it two or three miles and then coming right back home just to get them used to being in the car. And I would prompt them before and after, before we get in the car and after we arrive at the place, that's when I would prompt them to use the bathroom again. Super. what else anyone i'm here ask away if i don't know the answer i will research it and i will email you back
0: megan can you please type your contact information in the chat absolutely
1: That's my email. Please feel free to email me any questions. And like I said, if I don't know, I will find out. Oh, I think it's, oh, hold sorry, on. it's private. Let's go to all panelists.
0: Um, and everyone, not just and panelists. Attendees. There yes, there you go. <sighs> Super.
1: Um, there aren't any more questions. There is one topic I can talk about, but I want to sure. leave it open for questions. So please ask away.
0: See. We aren't actively potty training, but we are in the beginning stages. My two and a half year old okay. doesn't like to sti- sit. He only wants to stand. Thoughts?
1: Um, so a lot of times, I'm not a huge tech person, but I will. I will tell parents that I think it's okay when you're, especially in the beginning, when you're trying to get them just to sit, have an iPad, have um, movies, parents use their phones sometimes, books, anything that can get them to sit. And I would see what his baseline is. So if his baseline is sitting for, so he doesn't like it, so it's probably less than five seconds. I would try, can we just sit our bottom down? One second, awesome. I love that you sat down on the potty. That was so good. Next time we're going to go in, um, try to sit for three seconds. You know, you're, you're slowly trying to increase it, but not so much that it overwhelms the kiddo. Um, but I have definitely, you know, I've, I've watched some Paw Patrol while I'm sitting down, um, on my phone with the kid just to get them to sit on the potty and to get used to it. I'm not even looking for them to pee in it. I'm getting, my goal is just for them to be comfortable sitting on the potty. Um, so if there's certain books they like or certain shows they like, you know, I've had some kids say like I really want to watch this, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh hey, let's go sit on the potty and watch it. Sounds kind of weird, um, but again, my goal is to get them comfortable with sitting on the potty. That's all I'm looking for. So if, if if an episode of Paw Patrol makes them comfortable, then we'll sit and we'll watch some of Paw Patrol. Um, but I would definitely try to do. I wish there was more than books and movies to recommend. Some kids I have seen some kids try to play with Legos. It's a little harder <laughs> when they are on the potty. Yeah. Um, the toys are harder.
0: But yeah, but other toys like Edge a sketch would work.
1: That's a great one. Edge a sketch yes. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Coloring. Anything where they can kind of just sit. And it doesn't, in the beginning, you don't want them to sit for five minutes if they won't even sit at the toilet at all. You actually, the goal, when when that's the behavior that I'm working on, the goal is for you to tell them to get off the potty before they get off the potty. So okay. You want it because if they get off the potty and you allow them to, then in their mind, especially with being comfortable with the potty, it's, well, if I want to get away from here, I just have to escape. So if I have a kid and I'm trying to just, we're not even working on pie training, just working on being comfortable sitting on the potty, I'm going to have them sit on the potty. If I know their baseline is 30 seconds, after 30 seconds, they're going to get up. Then at 25 seconds, I'm going to go, hey, I think we're all done. Let's go do something else. Let's change it up. And just move on like that. So I'm the one that told them to get up, not them. If they do get up, then I might have them sit back down. And you'll see me almost count. Like, can I get them to sit for three seconds? And then I tell them to get up. So I know they want to get up. I don't want this to be a struggle. So I'm going to tell them to sit. I count. Okay, you can get back up. Let's go. Let's go do something else. Let's go outside. Um, okay. But yeah, find their baseline. Do activities that they enjoy just to help them sit on the potty and you try to be the one that tells them to get off the potty so it's not this struggle each time of you fighting and trying to get them to sit
0: okay any other questions guys megan i think this has been really really helpful I hope um so. yes for sure i, I learned know. a ton oh
1: good